0: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.
2: Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am Movie Mike on Twitter and Instagram Mike And if you don't follow me on Twitter, you should. Why, you ask? Well, because every single week, I put out the topic of what I'm going to talk about in a tweet, and then I take all of your responses because I want to know what you're thinking on the subject. And the question I tweeted out this week was, what are your favorite all-time movie quotes? So I read through all the responses, and it was just kind of cool to see... What movie lines resonate with all of you guys and why I did that because I just know that movies are so impactful in our lives and I just wanted to see what lines resonate with you guys because in this episode I'm going to explain some movie quotes that I've developed a relationship with over my life either because when I watched them I was in a certain state of mind and they stuck out to me. Or just because they've influenced other parts of my life. And why I am the way I am. So I'll get into those. I also finally watched a movie that people were telling me about months ago. It had a lot of hype when it first came out. It's called Knives Out. Maybe you've seen it by now. But if you're looking for something to watch. Relatively newish. I'll give my opinions on that. Because I'll just say I was pleasantly surprised with that movie. And then I'm also going to get into the Avengers and the actors who played the main Avengers in the first movie and what I think they will do post-Avengers now that they're all done with those. And the reason that came to me was because in the movie Knives Out, Chris Evans is in it who plays Captain America. And I actually saw him for the first time (laughs) as not being Captain America. So I was wondering, you know, who of them is going to have the most successful career post-Avengers? So I'll get into all that. Thanks, everybody, for listening and checking out the podcast. If you're not subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? (laughs) Go hit subscribe, hit follow, hit the like button, do all those things wherever you're listening right now so you can get brand new episodes every single Monday when I put them out. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, hit those five stars, leave a quick review because it helps me boost myself out there and get noticed to other people who maybe haven't heard of me before or seen or listened to the podcast, all those things. It's a really quick thing to do and goes a long way, so that would mean a lot for me. And without any further ado, let's get right into it. Let's get started. In a world where
1: everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville
2: Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. They say you can tell a lot about somebody by their favorite movie quote. Now, I don't know who says that. I think I just made that up to fit this episode, but I feel like I asked this question on Twitter and had a bunch of different responses. So if you're not following me on Twitter, go and do that, at MikeDistro, because I usually put the topic out there each week. And I like for, to get just a grasp on what you guys think about the topic I'm going to cover. And when I before I head into it, I just kind of have what you guys think and then what I already had planned. So when it comes to movie quotes, I think we have an attachment to a movie. First of all, the time we saw that. The first time we saw that movie, it's going to hit us in a different way. And what I think is cool is that they're really famous movies that we all just remember these one lines of the movie and they become iconic movie quotes. Everything from like, may the force be with you to like, you're killing me smalls or nobody puts baby in the corner. There's just some iconic movie quotes out of the entire film history that I'm not gonna cover them in that way. What I did is I picked movie quotes that have resonated in my life and either it was because of what I was going through at the time when I watched the movie or I've just kind of started to use them in like my everyday vocabulary and I use them just when I'm trying to describe like going to the store. They're just sometimes movie quotes get embedded so much into my head that I almost forget that they're movie quotes and they become a part of my life and the way I speak. So what I did is I did a mixture of that movie quotes that I just think on their own, they're written in a really great way that this is like some writing on the the screenwriter's part and the director's part to make these a memorable moment in the movie. And there are other ones that I just find myself using all the time. So I want to start with arguably my favorite movie of all time is The Dark Knight. Just because it's just a really great telling of the Batman story and everything about that movie I think is pretty perfect. And I still hold true to believing that Joaquin Phoenix was the best Joker Just because I feel like he was a little more into that role and a little more... He got to explore it a lot more than Heath Ledger did. Now, I think The Dark Knight, as a whole, is its better movie. Just, it's a better movie. So, and I think that Heath Ledger's performance is more iconic. More so surrounding everything that happened to him. And I think it's because you just get little bursts of the Joker in that movie. And he's very mysterious in it, and I think that's kind of why it worked so well in that movie. I think if he would have had more of that Joker, it wouldn't have been as powerful. And what makes that performance so powerful is that you hang on to everything that he says in the movie. And it's, it's not even just what he says, but it's how he says it. Like the lip smacking that Heath Ledger got down for that movie was incredible, and I'm not denying that. And I think it adds more weight to his words. So I could have picked a bunch of Joker quotes. I kind of have some of my favorites and I'll get to my ultimate favorite one. But everything from like him saying like, you want to know how I got these scars. I think that's a really great line. And what I love about that line that something really cool they do in the movie is he brings back that story and retells it in different ways to where you never really know the origin of the Joker because every time he asks somebody if they want to know about these scars, he gives a different story. So I think that's a really cool line and it kind of adds to the chaos that is the Joker. Another cool line he says is, if you're good at something, never do it for free. Which you kind of get the grasp of Joker in this, of how he is crazy and how he is doing all these things to terrorize the city of Gotham, terrorize Batman. And even that he's doing it, he's making this big, you know, (laughs) stash of money that they show And he ends up just destroying his, like, he doesn't care about money. He doesn't really care about that. And it's kind of weird that he says this line, if you're good at something, never do it for free, when he really doesn't care about money. Like, he just literally wants to create chaos in this entire movie. And there's even another quote of uh, Michael Caine saying, there's some people in the world who just want to watch the world burn. And that is another great line that shows how just crazy Joker is. But my favorite is... When they're in the hospital, it's Joker, and he's dressed up in the nurse's uniform. And Harvey Dent is essentially turning into Two-Face. He says, do I really look like a guy with a plan? And then goes on to say this. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? You know what I am? I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I caught it. You know, I just do things. And I think it's just that line of him saying... I'm a dog chasing cars, which gives a great representation of what the Joker is and is meant to be. That he's just going after people, doing these crazy, heinous things, causing destruction. But he really has no plan. He has no outside motive other than creating chaos. And I think in all of these lines together, all of these quotes, it shows that. And that line alone is so powerful in that movie and really stuck with me. And that's why it's one of my favorite movie quotes. All right, my next one comes from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Jim Carrey in a bit of a darker, more serious role, playing this guy named Joel Barish. And I think why I identified so much with this movie and this movie quote that I'm going to get to is because I was younger at the time when this movie came out and didn't really have a whole lot of luck with girls. I still would argue that I'm not the best when it comes to speaking To anybody, really, but especially girls when I was younger. And there's this scene at the very beginning of the movie where he first sees Clementine in the movie played by Kate Winslet. And he sees her, and he's just very shy and quiet and kind of keeping to himself, not paying any or wanting to draw any attention to himself that he's looking at her. And he writes this line, and it's just narration over it. But he says, why do I fall in love with every woman I see that shows me the least bit of attention? Here's the line from the actual movie.
1: Why do I fall in love with every woman I see who shows me the least bit of attention?
2: And I remember that that line stuck with me the very first time I watched this because I think as a guy without a lot of luck with, you know, talking to girls and kind of putting yourself out there, that's a real emotion that you feel almost. You see anybody who shows you any kind of attention, and you think like, oh, man, like this could be something. This could maybe be like, I have a chance here, or it's just something that you create these scenarios in your mind and these situations that are probably never going to happen. Why? Because you, you don't say anything. You sit there and you write it out and you draw up these scenarios and situations, but you're so kind of shy and inside your own feelings that it cripples you from even having that kind of experience. And that line stuck with me so much that Even now as I go back and watch that movie, it still hits me in a different way. And I think it just speaks a lot to us as humans of always being afraid to put ourselves out there and always kind of being afraid and wondering what if. And I think a lot of, you know, anything with not even just love, but we worry about regretting things later down the line. And we have these kind of feelings of you falling in love with people or feeling a way about some kind of opportunity because it shows you some kind of attention and you don't know how to take that. And you fear, like, if putting yourself out there, you're going to get rejected. And maybe I dove in really hardcore into this one specific line, but it's just something that I felt of, like, I would meet somebody and instantly think, like, this is going to be the person I spend, like, the rest of my life with. And I just remember that very early on being – I mean, I was a teenager, and you think that a lot of, like – I was watching a lot of romantic movies and the way movies picture and place things together is that's how kind of things happen. You meet somebody and then you move on to a happily ever after. And I don't think that's the way life works. And I think for me, I just remember a lot of people giving me advice at this point in my life when of like I was trying to get out there and you know date people and be more vulnerable of the whole advice of being yourself. And that was really hard for me to take on because I was like, why would I want to be myself? Like, I'm so weird and not put together and nobody would ever like that version of me. And I just felt like I couldn't grab anybody's attention by being myself. So I don't know. Anyway, that's a real deep dive into how my inner mechanics worked when I heard this line and why it ends up being one of my favorite movie quotes, mainly because it kind of makes me feel sad again. And in that moment, again, when I felt like that, but also I just think it kind of opens people up to realizing that some people, it is harder to put yourself out there and it is harder to express your feelings to somebody, especially when you're meeting somebody randomly and just, you think like, oh, that person, I could talk to that person and you feel this way inside. That was a perfectly just really small detail of that movie that really stuck with me, and that's why it's one of my favorites. Alright, let's go over now to a comedy. One of my favorite comedic movies of all time, but not only that, really just one of my favorite movies of all time. It's This is Spinal Tap, which is a mockumentary about a fictitious rock and roll band that comes to America and kind of wants to go back to the glory days of their band where they were super famous, but they get here and they realize, well, we're not that famous over here. And what I love about this movie is... It's funny in a way that's not your typical comedy. So a lot of just straight-on funny movies, like, I don't know, Superbad, Knocked Up, those kind of movies, Bridesmaids, are just straight-up like, oh, here's a bunch of, like, funny lines and a bunch of funny situations. This one, it's a lot different because it's working in that mockumentary space, but I I don't want to say that it's, like, smart comedy because it's almost so dumb but done in such a great way that it works. And it's just these little things that are things you don't really ever think about being funny. But in the movie, it just works so well. And I find it, it's influenced my humor altogether. If I'm any ounce of funny in any of the things I do, it's because of this movie and this style of comedy. And one of the favorite scenes in the movie of mine is when Christopher Guest, who plays Nigel in the movie, he's a member of the band Spinal Tap, and he's showing the director of the mockumentary, which is Rob Reiner in it all of his guitars, and he goes into this room, and he's just going one by one, explaining all these guitars, and it's where the iconic line comes from. This one goes to 11. You're
0: on 10 on your guitar. Where can you go from there? Where? I don't know. Nowhere, exactly. What we do is, if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do?
2: Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder, and make 10 be the top number, and make that a little louder? These go to 11. And this is actually a line that I just kind of have worked into my everyday vocabulary. I just use it whenever anybody brings up turning any kind of volume up to loud, turning anything up loud or doing anything to the max volume. I'm like, I'll say either take it to 11 or like, oh, this one goes to 11. Like, I just point that out all the time. And like I said, it's not really a super funny quote on its own, but just the idea behind it and his character in the movie makes it funny. And it's a scene I watch that no matter when I watch it, I'm going to laugh. So one of my favorite movie quotes of all time. All right, going over now to one of my favorite gangster movies, my all-time favorite Martin Scorsese movie, it's Goodfellas. And there's something about gangster movies that just breed ground for great movie quotes. Anything from like Scarface, The Godfather, all those kind of gangster movies. These guys just kind of speak... In movie quotes, yes, I said these guys because they do wise guys and these guys, all in these movies. These are a bunch of movie quotes that sometimes you see taken out of context for real life gangsters to like put on a T-shirt and wear and look really cool in. Um, I know a bunch of people I went to high school with basically thought that Scarface was like a documentary of how they should live their life. So what I loved about this movie is because I think it does the best representation of the rise and fall of somebody in a gang and that whole mob lifestyle. You could argue Scarface, but I think this one just has a better grasp on an overall like organized crime and all these kind of guys who just were in the heyday of it and then just saw the fall of all the things just crashing. There's some great movie quotes in here and anything from never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut, which is probably something you could see on a t-shirt somewhere. But I think my favorite one has to be one that comes from the opening scene, mainly because the opening scene is really just sets the stage and it, it kind of starts out somewhere in the middle of the movie because it ends up going back in time of a young Henry Hill in the movie and his rise to becoming a gangster. But the very opening scene is them driving in a car and there's a dude in the trunk. So then they get out, pull over, the guy's still alive, And it proceeds to Joe Pesci essentially stabbing the guy to death. Very brutal scene. And that just kind of sets the tone of what Goodfellas is going to be and how kind of brutal it was. And there's a line that Ray Liotta says, and it's right before the music hits, and it's a freeze frame on Ray Liotta's face. And it's him saying, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Now, that's a freaking cool line. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. I don't think it gets any cooler than that line in a gangster mob movie. It just works so well with the way the coloring of the movie is all red, and then it goes back into the old days of him as a kid, and it just really kind of paints that picture and sets that stage of Goodfellas. (laughs) All right, and if you've listened to this podcast from the very first episode, you would know that I am a very big Marvel fan. I've seen all the movies. I was very sad when the Avengers ended, and it wouldn't be a list of my favorite movie quotes if it wasn't including a Avengers quote. And mine comes actually from the original Avengers, and it's Mark Ruffalo in the movie playing Bruce Banner. I remember hearing this quote and reacting to it in theaters when I first saw it. And it's whenever Mark Ruffalo is still Bruce Banner. And they're already starting the fight in New York City. And the whole time they've been waiting for him to turn into the Hulk. And he can't. And it's at this point where he hulks out for the first time. And it's such a great moment in the movie. And I think gives me the feeling that I kind of ended up looking for in every single Marvel movie. That feeling of like oh, this is the moment we've been waiting for. Like, they've been struggling all this time and there's finally this like, okay, this is where they're gonna go off and eventually defeat the villain. So it's Bruce Banner walking up. He's walking away and they're like, what are you doing? Like, how are you gonna Hulk out? And he's like, well, what you guys don't know is that I'm always angry. Dr. Banner. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain i'm always angry and i think why that's kind of a favorite movie quote for me is because i've kind of taken that quote and applied it to my life over the years and in a way it's been in different kind of phases of my life and it's not that i'm always angry i feel like for me it's sometimes that i'm always sad and sometimes i say things And I do things um, that kind of reflect my sadness. And it's kind of kind of hidden deep in there. I feel like I'm the Hulk sometimes. I feel like I have this suppressed energy inside me that's always kind of there, but I only let out in different aspects of my life. And I feel sometimes for me, it's like making jokes or doing comedy that sometimes that comes from a sense of, you know, not essentially being angry, but sometimes being sad. And that's always kind of in there. And you never really get over that in your life. And you carry that kind of stuff, kind of stuff with you. And there's moments where you can kind of let it out and it either comes out negatively or sometimes it comes out in a performance. Like I would do comedy and it'd be like the one time that I would go out on a stage and perform and it would be me taking that sadness, taking that anxiety that I have and kind of letting it out and being an extrovert for the one time in my life. And it was people coming up to me afterwards. Like, you're always so quiet all the time. Like, how can you go out and do something like that so extroverted? Like, aren't you scared? And I was like, no. Like, that's the only time that I am not scared. Like, when I'm on a stage and there are thousands of people there and it's just me up there, I don't feel like alone in that time. Like, I feel like that's my time to kind of hulk out in a way and do a performance and let out all these things that have been inside of me this entire time and go out and do that. And I kind of feel like that's the Hulk and that's what he's showing in this scene of like this whole time he's been hiding on inside himself this really strong creature that can essentially defeat all these bad guys. But it's been inside of him and it's finally where he has kind of this moment of clarity and seeing all this destruction going on that he's like you know what this has been inside of me the whole time like I've just been controlling it. And I've just always kind of identified with the Hulk in that way and I think we can all kind of see a bit of his character in our own lives. And I think watching that in that moment, it just kind of clicked with me. And I think, you know what? Like, I too, I'm always sad. I too, am always angry. Or even sometimes like, I too, am always hungry. Like all these emotions that you're probably always having and battling inside yourself all the time, you have them and they come out in different ways. So yeah, that's my favorite Avengers quote. And that's why. (laughs) A very kind of serious reason that it's my favorite quote. But That's why it stuck with me. And then not to end it on that note, another one of my favorite movie quotes. It was actually improvised for a movie. uh, Midnight Cowboy starring Dustin Hoffman. And you've probably heard it. I'm walking here.
1: I'm walking here. I'm
2: walking here. the reason I love that one so much is because it's something I use in everyday life. When I'm crossing the street anywhere or even just like bumping into somebody anywhere, I'll say, I'm walking here. And I think I actually knew the quote before I watched the movie. And I kind of like it when that happens. Because there's a lot of movie quotes that get referenced and parodied and other things that you don't know where it's from. And then you kind of find out where it's from. That's what happened with me with this movie. But what I love about this is that Dustin Hoffman actually improvised that line. Because they were filming in New York City for this movie. And he was actually walking across the street having a conversation. And in the movie he walks with a limp and he actually did like a method acting thing where he took like pebbles and put it into his shoes. So he would actually walk with a limp and not forget. But in this scene, allegedly as the, as Dustin Hoffman has said in interviews that he was walking, doing the scene and this cab came out of nowhere, wasn't supposed to, and essentially almost hits him. So he does the famous line bangs on the, on the taxi cab and like, Hey, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. And, The director of the movie said that that line was written into the movie. They don't say whether or not the the taxi cab driver was actually supposed to run into him. Maybe he was just supposed to say it to somebody else. But I like those improvised scenes in movies where somebody is so into character that they don't break it even when something goes wrong. I think there's some very cool examples of that over history. One of my favorite ones that led to a really great movie quote.
1: For. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at
2: letsmakeaplan.org. All right, going to get into a movie review now. One, I'm a little late to the game on, I'll admit, but at the time that this movie came out, I was really into watching all the Best Picture nominees, and there was just so much stuff coming out that I was going to see in theaters. Wow, I was actually watching movies in theaters when this movie came out, but it just kind of slipped through the cracks, and I think what happened with this one is it had a bunch of initial hype, and what happens whenever a movie is so hyped up that you have these kind of two waves. You have... The people who initially see it and give it the great reviews and it kind of builds up the hype. So first of all, to even receive that kind of hype, a movie has to be good. And then you get that second wave of people who go to see it based on the hype and the buzz that it's created. But at that point, it's already held to a whole different standard because you have all these people saying, oh, this is a really great movie. You need to go see it. But then people, when you go into it like that, you're going to want to not like it to a certain extent because you're like, all right, this better be great. People told me it was good. And you go into it a little bit, I think, a little bit cynical because then you have the people giving the reviews of like, oh, it's overhyped, it's not that great. But for a movie to be overhyped, that means a buzz and a hype had to be created. So I think any movie that's ever reviewed as being overhyped, it's still a good movie regardless. So... I feel like those people are a little snobby sometimes in their reviews and I can get when you think a movie isn't as great as everybody says, but I think for a movie to build any kind of hype, it's good. Anyway, I've ranted long enough without telling you the title of the movie. It's called Knives Out. Maybe you've seen it by now. Maybe you haven't. And I think right now we're all kind of trying to find good movies to watch with not a whole lot of new things coming out with everything still being shut down. But here's one that's still pretty new. that you can go back and watch. And before I get into my full review, here's just a little bit of Knives Out.
1: You think one of his family walls, walls killed?
2: Is that what you're suggesting? that it cry. You
1: all love twisting the knife into one another.
2: So yeah, I remember seeing this preview for other movies I was watching at the time and thinking, I don't really know what this movie is about or where it's going to go. And maybe it's just the title, Knives Out, doesn't really give a whole lot of what the movie is going to be about. But what really stuck out to me in the beginning was the cast in this. You have Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, Don Johnson. So all these really great actors put into a movie, you kind of think, like, how could it be a bad movie if you have all these really great actors? And I think that's, first of all, what stands out in this movie is the performances are really great and the actors are really great. So you already have that level of acting. But I feel like where this movie really kind of stands apart is how it was done. So the story itself is a murder mystery of the whole time you're watching You're trying to figure out who did the crime in this movie. So the movie is essentially about it's a detective Played by Daniel Craig who was hired to investigate the death of a family member. In this case, the grandfather slash father of the people in the movie. And he is trying to figure out who did it. Because they're ruling it first of all as a suicide. But he investigates there being something else to it. And being a mystery behind the murder (laughs) mystery. Which I think Daniel Craig does a really great job in this movie. It's really weird seeing him do like a southern Kentucky accent in this movie. Like you almost expect him to be James Bond. But I really liked his character in it. And I feel like this movie had a really slippery slope to play with here. Because he is playing like a a different accent. There's just a lot of like. It's not really like campy or kooky in a way. But you could almost fall into it being cheesy. And I I don't think it ever does that. So I really like Daniel Craig in it. I really like the main character played by Ana de Armas. And even Chris Evans, which I thought it was going to be hard for me to not see him as Captain America. And there's actually another segment I want to do after this about that. Just because I found that he was convincing in this movie enough to me not to be watching it the entire time. And like thinking like, oh man, he's about to turn into Captain America. Like, I actually saw him as an actor in this movie that could go on to maybe do other things outside of the Avengers. But what I really liked about this movie is it kind of felt like I was figuring out things as I went away. Like I was trying to solve it the entire time. Like I found myself thinking like, well, maybe this person did it and here's their motive. Or maybe this person did it and this there's moment. That's kind of a fun thing to do while watching a movie. Like you're trying to figure it out on your own. And there's just kind of a lot of anticipation of this. You are like... It's not that you want it to end because you want it to be over. You want it to kind of keep going and moving faster because you're ready to see what ends up happening. And I think that's a really great thing to kind of build a pace to the movie to where you're interested in it and you actually want to see how it's going to end. You never really lose that interest of like, I don't even care. Just end the movie. No, I think it kept my attention all the way through. And I won't ruin the ending, but I found it was very satisfying. And not only that, I feel like there's not a whole lot of plot holes in this movie. Sometimes when you do a movie like this of like a murder investigation or any kind of thing where you're figuring stuff out and putting pieces together. You're like, Oh, well if they did this then how come they didn't explain this? I felt like everything in the movie was explained by the end, which is a very rare feeling you get at the end of movie. Sometimes you feel like, well, they didn't explain that entire thing. And what does that mean? I feel like every loose end was either explained or addressed in the ending And also, everything paid off in this movie. Sometimes that movies build something up and then at the very end it either means nothing or they never (laughs) address it again. I felt like all the little things and all the little Easter eggs hidden throughout this movie, at the very end you were kind of rewarded of like, oh, all those things actually meant something and were to represent something. And it led to them figuring out what actually happened and it led to the end of the movie. I felt very satisfied at the end of this movie, which is not something I get from every single kind of mystery or kind of thriller like this. So I give it four out of five knives just because I found it to be a very novel approach to this type of movie. I really like the cast and I was just overall satisfied. And if you want to rent something right now, I would recommend this if you haven't seen it yet. And if you have seen it, send me an Instagram message or a tweet thinking... If you thought the ending was as satisfying as I did or if you did end up thinking that it was overhyped, it wasn't that good. Let me know.
1: So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.
2: All right, and the last thing I want to talk about, which I kind of hit on in the Knives Out review, is about Chris Evans, which I hope I didn't call him Chris Hemsworth and that. They get kind of (laughs) interchanged in my heart because... Um, of the Avengers movies, and it actually kind of all fits in because Chris Hemsworth, I actually saw him recently in a different movie, and why I want to talk about them is because I feel like they're at a point to where it's like, what are we going to do after the Avengers? Now, the Avengers were such a big movie franchise and so iconic, and it's what all they've been known for for the last 10-plus years And now they're going to all go on to have separate movie careers and star in their own movies. And I kind of wonder who is going to be the most successful. Because we really know Chris Evans. We know Chris Hemsworth as their Marvel characters. We see them as Captain America. We see them as Thor. We see Robert Downey Jr. now as Iron Man. We see Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, and Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. So that's who I'm all kind of putting on this list is those original Avengers because they created such an impactful group on, together on screen. And now, after the Avengers, are going to go on to do their own separate movies where they star on their own. So I want to know who's going to be the most successful. And here's the list that I came up with. I'll start at the top and work my way down of who I think will be the most successful after The Avengers and who I think will be the least successful. So first of all, number one, I feel like easily has to be Scarlett Johansson. Basically because she was a movie star way before The Avengers, she'll go on to be a big movie star after The Avengers. Just last year alone, she was in three huge movies. She was in Avengers Endgame, A Marriage Story, and Captain Marvel, which were all huge movies last year that she all starred in and had a role in. I think she's doing pretty good just last year alone, and she's nowhere in near of the end of her career or at the peak of her career. She could go on another 10 years being in Iconic Roles, and she was in Iconic Roles way before this. I just think that she's a great actress, has a great range, she could be Black Widow, but then she could be in a marriage story and do a straight on, just like dramatic role. And while though she's maybe not as highly paid as Robert Downey Jr., I just think over time she fits into where she can move into these big Hollywood productions and play action roles and then also go and do really like smaller indie movies or just movies where that would lead her to winning an Oscar. Stuff like that, I think, is where she falls in and where I think she will go on to be the most successful. At number two, I'm going to go with Chris Evans. Now, it was really hard for me for a while to not see him as Captain America, and I think it was Knives Out that kind of has me thinking like, okay, he can do other things, and now he's in other movies and he's even in an Apple TV show now called Defending Jacob and I can kind of see him breaking out and being a little bit more of a serious actor he's only 38 I think he has that type of range if he takes the right amount of roles I think he can go on and do a little more and has a bit of more of advantage over some of the other people I think he's kind of next up he's not he wasn't really well known before the Avengers, but I think he has the platform now, the notoriety now, to kind of pick and choose what roles he takes. I think if he plays it just right, he'll go on to do some really great stuff. At number three, I'm going to have to put Chris Hemsworth. Now, I watched him in Extraction, and the weird part about that is I really just saw him in the store. Like, he looks different, and he acts different. Like, I think he has some range there. Like, I think he's a good actor, but I just feel like he is so much Thor that it's going to be a little hard for him to break out of that. Now, the good thing about that is I think it translates so well into where he's kind of going with action roles. I don't think so much that it's translated into where he's kind of tried to be funny in other ones. Like he did the Men in Black movie, which was a big bomb. And I think he's kind of the type of actor who if he takes one or two more bad roles, people might start to question him and being like, well... Can he really be anything else than Thor? I think he's fine right now. And I think that he's so famous that he'll be okay over time. Like, if he never got another movie again, he would be all right. But I think he has to be very careful in the things he picks if he wants to remain as successful as he's been. At number four, I'm going to have to put Robert Downey Jr. Because, well, he was already a great actor even before he was Iron Man. But he was so iconic as Iron Man. And we see him so much now. Because he put so much of his real personality into Iron Man. And he almost became Iron Man. Like we see him like in interviews and just out down the street. And we think of him as Iron Man. And it's hard to get that image out of our heads seeing him in other roles. But not only that, what he follows up Avengers Endgame with was the Dr. Doolittle movie. And I felt like that movie was just a paycheck for him. I don't know really why he wanted to do something like that. I just thought it was an interesting choice for him to go to being an Avenger and being Iron Man to wanting to be Dr. Doolittle. I felt like the move for him would have been to go on straight to like a really dramatic kind of Oscar chasing type role. Or even just like waiting a minute before he does another movie to take on something to be like, oh, we haven't seen Robert Downey Jr. in a minute. And now he's like in this really acclaimed movie. Like, I think that would have been a great move for him to do, but instead he went and did Dr. Doolittle and, I don't know, maybe think a little less of him. <laughs> and it's not that I don't think he can be a comedic actor. He's done some really great comedic roles before. I just don't think that was the best step for him to do right after he did the Avengers. And it kind of just makes me question of what kind of roles is he going to want to do after this? Like, how are we going to see him any differently? But he's still one of the highest paid actors living right now, so I think he'll be doing okay for now. And at number five and six, I feel they're a little bit interchangeable, but I think I'll put Jeremy Renner just above Mark Ruffalo because I feel Jeremy Renner can kind of be that action star too that also bridges the gap between comedy. He's been in a few recently. And I think Mark Ruffalo is kind of in a whole different space to where before this, I really liked him in like his romantic comedies, rom-coms, his dramatic movies. I just feel like they're both at that level and status to where they're going to want to be the star of a movie. And I feel like Jeremy Renner has a little bit more of places to go when it comes to that. He can be in action movies and be believable. But for Mark Ruffalo, he kind of has to almost go into this different kind of space of where is he going to do rom-coms again? or Because you can't really see him as an action star like he was in the Avengers because that wasn't his character in the movie like the Hulk. Yes, he was a big action part of the Avengers, but Bruce Banner himself was a very smart and serious guy. So I don't feel like that's a perfect crossover for him. So I think he's just right below Jeremy Renner. Even at the moment now, he doesn't really have any rules in the bank or anything coming out soon. So I think maybe later down the line, he'll kind of get back into it. But I think he's at the bottom of the list. But if you're going to be at the bottom of any list, uh, this one ain't so bad. All right, and that's the episode for this week. Before I hop out of here, I got to give my Instagram, Twitter shout-out of the week. And this week, it is going to at Carly underscore Mitchell on Instagram, who tweeted that I was one of her favorite new podcasts that she's listening to. So I've been seeing, actually, a lot of you guys come over for the first time and check out the podcast. That means a lot to me. That means you're either telling your friends or you're finding this somehow and the fact that you came over and listened to it and a lot of people making it a part of your Monday routine or at some point listening to the podcast out on a walk or out on your drive, that means a lot to me. And to see all of your tweets and all of your Instagram messages, I try to reply to those as often as I do. But the easiest thing to do is just tag me an Instagram story at Mike Destro that you're listening to the podcast. And I see all of those for sure because I get tagged in them and I'll see them. And that's how you get an Instagram shout out or a Twitter shout out. Just send me a tweet that you're listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode. and If you haven't, let me know. Just tweet me your favorite movie quote with a gif. That's always good. All right. I'll talk to you guys next week. Later. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And like that, he's gone. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay
1: Motors is here for the ride. With Simelbo Grease